Vomagyanatimirandasya gyananjana salakaya Chaksumilitam yena tasme si guruve nama Vandeyam si guru si yuta padakamalam Si gurun vaisnavam scha Si rupam sagrajatam Sahagana Bragunatan Vitam Tang Sajivam Sadvitam Sabodutam Parijana Sahidam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakan Vitam Sri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Paramparaki श्री कृष्ण नाम की जय नाम संकीर्तन की हो so today we are discussing the the significance of Shudhanam, Krishna Nam, the pure name of Krishna and his descent. It's mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Kali Kale Nam Rupe Krishna Avatar. At the time of Kali in the Kali Yuga, Krishna descends. Avatara means descent, so descends in the form of his name. Of course, we know this from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his teachings. So he also descends as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as the giver of the divine name. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, of course, is very special. And in this particular time of his appearance, just some 500 years past, the Yuga Avatar. Gornarayan is combined with a special appearance that coincides with the most introspective moments of Krishna deep within his Brajlila. As Rasaraj, he's the connoisseur of love, but seeing the measure of the gopi's love and Radha's love in particular, he's pressed to want to taste that. He has to flatly admit he knows nothing about such extremes of love that he witnessed in them, seeing their madness and separation from him. Gopi's madness is one thing. He left a rasa dance with Radha. Their separation was great. And although Radha was overjoyed in his company and happy to be getting the attention that she felt she was due, because she knew this is important, she knows that only she can serve him, not in any mundane way, but because she knows that she can fully satisfy him, therefore she sometimes presses herself forward, puts herself forward. The background of that, calling attention to herself, it's not self-aggrandizement, but the background, the spirit of it is divine service. So Radha and Krishna are together, but Radha also has like a sanchari bhav of friendship with so many of her gopi friends. In Krishna Bhakti, as explained by Rupa Goswami, Krishna is the object of love. He's the Vishaya Lambana Vibhav, the object of love and the, to whom that means love is to be directed, to find its fulfillment. And then various devotees relative to the primary flavors, tastes of bhakti ras exemplify the 
the shelter of that love, the abode of that love, the abode of the love, and then the object of the love, these two come together. This is the basic idea. So Krishna is the Vishayalambana Vibhava of everyone. But for a certain group, the group that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu most came to speak of the, the glories of and through whom he actually fulfilled all of his ambitions through their ideal, the group of Rupa Goswami, they have a, a very special position in that they have a relationship, those young maidens, with Radha and Krishna combined as their object of love. Otherwise, generally in Vrindavan, everybody loves one another. But the love is, a, is like, a, it's like a sanchari bhav. It's transitory. It never takes precedence, that means, over their primary emotion of love centered on Krishna. So when Radha expresses feelings of love for her friends, we call this a sanchari bhav. So feeling these feelings of friendship and the pain of their separation she asks Krishna to pause and carry her so that they can catch up. But Krishna had something else in mind, disappearing even from Radha's midst. Why? That when other gopis caught up, they could see the extent of her separation and how it was greater than all of theirs combined. And then, as they come to pacify her, seeing her plight, she takes them to the Jumuna and the banks of the Jumuna and there they perform Sankirtan, Gopigita and Krishna's from behind the tree watching their madness and this way he desires to taste the measure of that uh, love. So this then we find deep in, the, in Krishna Leela in the deepest moments of Krishna's introspective life, Gorlila begins to manifest. Chaitanya Lila. So these two are intertwined. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says, like a great fountain of love of God, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu stands, and from whom rivers flow in all directions of Krishna Lila. Commenting on this once, Shiddhamarsh said, who is first, Krishna Lila or Gaur Lila? He replied to his own question, first the giver, then the gift. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the giver, and the gift is Krishna Lila, and if we go deep in Krishna Lila, we end back in Gaur Lila. So this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this is the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu we're talking about. Gornarayan is the Yuga Avatar in Kali Yuga, but in this Kali Yuga, the Yuga Avatar is combined with Krishna's own descent seeking to experience the love of Radha. So, although he does the work of the Yuga Avatar, as he was called to do by Advaita, and that is the distribution of Nam Sankirtan, inaugurating the Sankirtan, distribution of the holy name widely, this holy name in Mahamantra, which is a Nam Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, this is particularly mentioned for Kali Yuga. In Upanishad it is mentioned. Kali Santarana Upanishad says what? Iti so rasakam namnam kalikal mahasana 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Iti sarasakam namnam kalikamasanasanam. Sarvabhedeshu drishyate. Narada asks Brahma, how will people be delivered in Kali Yuga? And he says, by nam sankirtan, by the name, chanting the names of God. And Narada astutely asks, which names will be most efficacious? And so he gives these 32 syllables. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Ram Hari Hari, Iti Sodasakam, Nam Nam. These 16, 32 syllables, 16 names, two syllables in each combination. Iti Sodasakam, Nam Nam, Kalikal Nashanam. All the ill effects of Kali Yuga will be destroyed. And Sairo Veda, Shudrushite. This is the support by all the Vedas. So this is the Mahamantra for Kali Yuga. And it's Nam Mantra. It only consists of Krishna's name. There's no there's no petition there. It only consists of Krishna's names. Krishna's names means Hari, Krishna, and Ram. And Hari in the vocative is Hare. So Hare means Krishna. Hari. And Krishna means Krishna. And Ram means Krishna. But this mantra is also uh, universal and it may be approached with different conceptions. So, Radharani chants Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has explained her thinking when she chants Hare Krishna Mantra. When she chants Hare, then she's, it means Hari. But when her followers chant Hare Krishna Mantra, then Hare means the vocative of Hara, which indicates Radha in a secret way by indicating it in a secret way, it could mean something else. Therefore, we can chant Hare Krishna Mantra, and Hare means either Hari or Radha. Krishna means Krishna, and Ram means Krishna or Ram, Balram. The different devotees will think in different ways. The highest idea in Gaudiya Vaishnavism is that Hare Krishna Mantra means Krishna, Radha and Ram means also Krishna. And because the some people like to chant Radhe Krishna, Radhe Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Radhe Radhe, Radhe Sham, Radhe Sham, Sham Sham, Radhe Radhe. You can also chant like this, but it's nicer to chant Hare than nicer or sweeter, more appealing to Krishna to chant Hare, indicating Radha, than Radha's name directly, because it, it implies her power to steal away Krishna. Hari means to, to take away. So when he hears that and he thinks, oh, you know that. She has that power. You're saying that about her. Then he has to come and cover your mouth because his position as the supreme god is being lowered, taken down, he's conquered. That's charming, but everybody can't hear about that. <laughs> That's why everybody cannot accept Gaudiya Vaishnavism because <laughs> it says such things that it posits love above God himself. Prabhupada liked to say, mostly in all of his writings, in all of the times that he's ever described the meaning of the three names in the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, he liked to say that Ram means Balaram. If you look over and study everything he's ever said about the Hare Krishna Mantra uh, with regard to the meaning of the words, more than anything, far more than 
any other explanation, he has said Ram means Balaram. So then someone may think it's a problem because Ram and Radha, they cannot be together. We don't put Balaram on the same altar with uh, Radha or Radha and Krishna. He's the Dauji, his older brother. So if he comes in the room, then Radha will become respectful and and remove herself. So how to resolve this problem? So of course, if we take Hare to mean Ladini Shakti, then Ram is also associated with Ladini Shakti. Ram has his own gopis, some can explain in that way. Or maybe also considered that, as I'm mentioning, Hare is indirectly meaning Radha, and more directly meaning Krishna, Hari. So you can speak in a double talk. <laughs> it can be Radha and it cannot be. And by saying it, bringing her presence indirectly, then Ram doesn't have to. It can be present. So, Hare Krishna mantra is my point here is that they are. It's universal, so there anyone can chant Hare Krishna mantra and derive from that whatever is their inner wealth. And Ram may also mean Ram, Ram Chandra, and we're going down on the, on the scale of Rasatattva. Of course, when we speak of up and down, we shouldn't have a material conception of this. Krishna Skabiraj Goswami twice in Chaitanya Charitamrita, when he seeks to glorify the virtues and the furthest reach of um, Madhurya Rasa, then he qualifies his statement in Adi Lila Chaitanya Charitamrita by saying what? All of these flavors, tastes of Bhakti Rasa are best. Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhurya. They are all best for those who have developed those sentiments. That's the first consideration. The subjective reality that takes precedence. But if we are to exercise rasavichar, if we are to remove ourselves and speak objectively, like the scholars have to speak objectively, he says, then by analysis we can see that the Madhurya Ras reaches further. And therefore, and from that consideration, it's best. But the primary consideration is what's best, is what's best for us. So we shouldn't have any mundane conception about these things. And all Vaishnavas, who are advanced Vaishnavas, to the point of cultivating their particular relationship, and we offer our obeisance to them, our dandavat pranam to them, in any sampradaya. I told the story before how Damodar Maharaj, shortly after he took sannyas, we were in South India, and so there was a, a meeting of the, uh, I think the Madhvas, Madhva sampradaya, and a big acharya from the Madhvas was going to come. So in the Shingar Marsh, we were at his mouth in South India, he dispatched some of the young sannyasis to go, and Damodar Maharaj was, was amongst them. He's a big black man. And so he, he asked me before he went, Gurmarsh, how shall I conduct myself there? What, what shall I think? I said, you should think that you're bef- in front of a man from Vaikuntha, that he's, that he's directly from Vaikuntha, that Acharya. 
So there was a big crowd, and our SSRs and the Aussies went in the area to, to represent our Gauri Sampradaya. And, of course, everyone was liking to get the attention and the, the uh, merciful glance of that Acharya. Damodar Marsh wasn't thinking like that. He was just thinking, I'm in front of a man from Vaikuntha. So he just went up and he laid himself out, stretched himself out and paid his dandavats in front of this uh, charja. And everybody was taken back and he also t- took notice. And so then he asked, so where, are you, where are you from? And uh, said some, some words to him. So I was very happy to hear that. This is the standard of our Gaudiya Vaishnavas. By their humility, they become noticed by the people of Vaikuntha. And don't you think that gopis will pay obeisances to anybody from Vaikuntha if they should come? <laughs> and the cowherds and all, <laughs> if they should come to Vrindavan? Vaikuntha man, like Narada comes sometimes, and they're all paying obeisances. Of course, he's trying to avoid that. But the measure of their devotion and their desire to serve is such that Krishna has difficulty deflecting at what to speak of people of Vaikuntha. So this goes with this chanting in our sampradaya. What is it? Trinadupi sunichena, tarorapi sehistu nomane nomanadena, kirtaniya sadahari. Now when we give the Harinam initiation, we ask the students to chant a particular number of rounds. But you should know that this chanting is chanting and not counting. We give the counter beads, but if it becomes a counting affair, then it's not chanting. Counting means one, and then looking at the beads, I have maybe 15 more to go. Two, looking at the counter, I've done three, looking at the clock, I've done four. This is a counting exercise. And counting means what? Maya. Maya means to measure, to count. Counting, that is part of the material world. And in the spiritual world, there's no counting. There may be counting that goes on, but it's not like the counting here. Krishna may count his 108 types of groups of cows on his beads. He has 108 beads he chants. The names of his 108 groups of cows, the jeweled mala. And this way they all return from the outlying areas in the, in the pasturing. Lila goes to, goes to Lila before returning into the into the village. But he chants the names of the different groups and there are unlimited cows in each of the groups. So counting there is not like here. It is uh, infinite. And here is the finite conception. So in the finite conception we are always trying to bring everything within our grasp, but it's not possible. Reality is unknown and unknowable. Lovable. And by loving we, we know what we need to know. And we're happy. And as I said the other day, all superficial external informations, we have no need for that. In love, there's a kind of essential knowledge. What is that? To make me happy. To know what to do. <laughs> to be happy. We should be careful not to burden ourselves with unnecessarily with knowledge. Much is necessary to do what we need to do. To serve Guru and Krishna. So don't count. Chant Hare Krishna. Now, we do count. There is some, some prescribed number of rounds. The reason we give a prescribed number of rounds is because it, it it's a kind of a brut, a vow, and it, it, it builds character and determination. And, it, and when the, while the mind says chant less, uh, Gurudev says chant this many. 
So we separate ourselves from the mind's demands and the calls, uh, call of the world, and so on, in a rudimentary, in a basic way. But don't turn it into a counting affair. My mind means to count, means to measure, wants to, to, to make the name part of our agenda, and we're maybe letting a little time in for it. We have our agenda, in other words, we're very busy, we have our agenda. We're going to allow a little time on our agenda for chanting, and we're going to make sure we're not going over it, <laughs> because we're counting, watching the clock, and not, not, not like that. The Nam Prabhu, Nam Prabhu has an agenda of his own, and we're on that agenda. Very different idea. <laughs> and through the medium of the Guru who gives us Nam Prabhu, we find out about that agenda. We have our plans, our life. Remember, I have a younger brother, and he came to the temple once, Iskon Temple in Chicago. I wasn't there, but he was interested. He always was interested in me and what I'm. I'm kind of the missing member of the family. So he has this keen, keen spiritual interest. So he was looking f- for me at that time, and um, I had probably hadn't seen him in 20 years. But uh, he came to the temple there, and he. Uh, lived in that area, and the devotees were speaking to him about Krishna consciousness, and after they were finished, this is what do you think, he said, he replied that it was as if I had painted a, a canvas in watercolors of my life, and you've poured water on it. <laughs> the whole thing has just changed, transformed, hearing these things. So we've painted a canvas of, uh, with our agenda on it, but it's, it will never satisfy us. So Krishna Nam comes into our life to alter our frame of reference, to broaden it, what possibilities there are in life. So we should try to become acquainted with that agenda and not hang on to ours. Chant, and we say chant and be happy. Prabhupada used to say chant and be happy, but we also say chant and be unhappy. We should chant and be unhappy, having heard the theory of what potential there is from taking shelter of Krishna Nam. We should be unhappy that we are not getting very far. Mahaprabhu was chanting unhappily. Nam Nam Makari Bahudani Desarva Shaktis. This is the theory. You have many names. There's unlimited potential, potency in those names. All of your Shakti is in the names. In this form you've come, in hundreds and hundreds of names. Nam Nam Makari Bahuda Nija Sarva Shakti. All of your own Shakti is in your name. Tatrarpita Niyamita Smaranena Kala also. Nam Namakari Bahuda Nijasarva Shakti Tatrarpita Niyamita Smaranena Kala. And there's no restriction for taking your name according to time, place, or circumstance. You don't have to bathe first, brush your teeth, bathe after passing stool. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to chant while passing. And he thought it was a problem. So he asked one devotee, what is a problem? I'm this non-mantra is just chanting on my tongue. He said, no, no, that's not. Gopal Das was his name. No problem. He said, this mantra, there, he explained to Mahaprabhu, there are no rules for Krishna Nam. Mahaprabhu was relieved. Because other mantras, when we give the mantra, Diksha, then there are certain regulations. You have to chant at a certain time, face a particular direction, and you have to... Uh, have bathed and all these things. So, the mantra has so many uh, regulations surrounding its uh, 
it's, it's chanting, but not Krishna, no. So Mahaprabhu is saying, very merciful you are, full of the Shakti, and but what is my position? Nanun Raga, I have no rag, I have no attachment for chanting, no, no attraction. So we should chant and be unhappy that we are not crying out of joy while chanting the Holy Name, even though we've heard so many things. It shouldn't discourage us to go away, but it should encourage us to take fuller, pay greater attention to the chanting, because there's no other solution. Even though we have no attraction, we're told if we continue to chant, attraction will come. It won't come by any other method. So, humbly, Krishna Skabiraj Goswami said, take this Trinadapi Sunichena verse, wear it like a garland around your neck, and chant the holy name constantly. So we chant constantly, this is our ideal, not counting. One of my godbrothers once met a sannyasi from Gaudiamat, uh, elder, and he said, so they were talking, he said, so Marsh, how many rounds are you chanting now? And he said, that is uh, Maya. <laughs> it is Maya, how many rounds I am chanting. It's not by num- numerical strength, but still we are given a prescribed number of rounds, and we should adhere to that, as I've explained. Otherwise, don't make it a counting exercise. In fact, one fellow was here. The other day I told him that you do this. You sit and chant, blindfold yourself, and turn on the alarm clock. Set it for one half an hour and chant like that. And you can chant on the beats, but no counting. So just by speaking about it like that, you can get the idea of the spirit. It's to turn off the clock. It's to go past time. All the leela is in Prishtanam. So it is all pastime and joyful. Pastime means, of course, carefree. But it is past time. We have to get past time <laughs> to be carefree. We have to bring time on, a, on our side. So in Krishna Lila, the time is, it is, it is mentioned in Bhagavatam. Ayur harati vai pumsam uddhanastam jayanaso. Ayur harati vai pumsam. Ayur harati. Ayur means what? Life. Life, like Ayurved. You've heard of Ayurveda? Ayurveda. Ayur, Ayur Harati. What does Harati mean? What does Hari mean? What does that mean? His name. Hari. To take away. Yeah, stealing. So Ayur Harati means life is being, our life is being stolen. Ayur Harati Vaipumsam. People's lives are being stolen. Taken away by Ayur Harati Vaipumsam Udyan Astan Chayanaso. By Time. And what is the prominent influence of time? Rising and setting of the sun. So, Ayu Harati Vaipumsam Uddhanastan Jayanaso. Tasyarta Yachano Nitya Uttam Sloka Vartaya. Tasyarta Yachano, except for one kind of person. Ayu Harati Vaipumsam. All people's lives are being stolen away, taken away by the rising and setting of the sun, except for one. Tasyarta Yachano Nitya Uttam Sloka Vartaya. Who is that one? That is a devotee. What is his business? Uttama Shloka Vartai. Always singing about Krishna. Krishna's name is Uttama Shloka. Who's, who's glorified by beautiful poetry. What did the gopis say? 
तबुकतामृतम तप्त जीवनम कविरीतम कालमशापहम श्रवणमंगलम श्रीमरातम भुवे गृणंती ये बुरीराजन तबुकतामृतम तप्त जीवनम कविबीर कविबीर कवि मीन्स पोएट सो देर स्पीकिंग अबाउट in go and the banks of the jamuna they're singing this song about the glories they're now speaking krishna nam the glory of krishna krishna nam the tobukata amrita the talks krishna kata talks about you your name tobukata amritam tapta jivanam all suffering is overcome by this and kavibir iditam poets are praising this the poets are offering their respect to this uh, krishna kata krishna nam they like to make up beautiful arrangement of words but to these words about krishna about krishna nam though they are offering their respects so we should take the holy name of krishna humbly tolerating inconvenience that may be may be required in the course of pursuing krishna nams and kirtan offer all respect to others what to speak of other devotees and expect no honor for myself mahaprabhu said this way you can go beyond counting you can come to nishta fixed up now you are being instructed about the bhajana kriya so bhajana kriya has to become from anishta to nishta from unsteady to steady and that is again why we give a prescribed number that will help us to become steady in our chanting so understand the the, the purpose behind that counting and what is the spirit of the chanting what is the significance of krishna nam it has come from chaitanya mahaprabhu and who is chaitanya mahaprabhu he is the gornarayan but in a special way so that means that inside this mahamantra chanted by mahaprabhu and this mahamantra is described by rupa goswami chaitanya mahaprabhu on his way to puri was chanting loudly the ma- this mahamantra hari krishna hari krishna 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 hari 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 ram hari ram 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 hari hari some people say hari krishna mantra should not be chanted in kirtan but rupa goswami has said that only in japa they say there's a big argument one godia sect but rupa goswami has said mahabhu was chanting on a string with knots in it hari krishna mantra loudly so loudly means vachisi means it's a limb of kirtan you can chant uh, upamsu whispering or uh, in the mind vachasi upamsu manasi vocally out loud whispering or in the mind and there there's an order to that if you can chant in the mind attentively then you may be more absorbed therefore if you can't be more absorbed then chant loudly but loud chanting means it's a limb of kirtan If it's in the mind, then it's connected with smaranam. So, Mahap, anyway, point is, Mahaprabhu was doing a kirtan of Hare Krishna Mahamantra. And as I mentioned earlier, the Upanishad is mentioned, this Mahamantra for kirtan, Kali Yuga. Chanting the names of God is the remedy for Kali Yuga. These names are given, this Mahamantra, Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So, it is appropriate to chant in kirtan and inside of this mahamantra the chaitanya mahaprabhu is giving because inside of the gornarayan is a special combination of presence of krishna in the mood of radha this mahamantra chanting 
there is no better means to attain the ragmarg than by this chanting of Krishna Nam. Krishna Nam is the Bhagwat Marg, and Krishna Mantra comes from the Panchratrik Marg. So the Panchratra is, is the smaller circle within the bigger circle of the Bhagwat Marg. Krishna Nam extends to the highest, to Krishna Charan, and extends himself to the lowest, unqualified people. If we qualify ourselves by chanting, we can receive Krishna Mantra. And Krishna Mantra then will deal with so many things that are in our way of taking advantage of Krishna Nam. And the Krishna Mantra will awaken our particular relationship with Krishna. And then with knowledge, insight, realization of that, we'll chant Krishna Nam in a particular way. That will take us to the feet, lotus feet of Krishna. So this is our main practice. There are so many other things. Do not get distracted by so many peripheral aspects of cultural aspects. They can be incorporated as much as possible, but after all, it's a very confused time in which we live. I was asked yesterday, you asked me, what about divorce now? In some situations, mm. isn't that allowable? And I explained, you can't just take half the equation and expect it to work. If you have the Vedic type of marriage arrangement in the whole culture to support that, then you can say no divorce and everybody will agree with you and it won't be a problem. But if people get married for the wrong reasons, being immature, entering into relationships, too young and so forth, then <laughs> So these are all superficial things. It's a topsy-turvy time. We've been given something very essential that cuts through all of all of that. In spite of the lack of so much support culturally and religiously and so forth, this Krishna Nam will be effective in Kirtan. We should have great faith in the efficacy of the holy name of Krishna. There's no method anywhere mentioned in the revealed scripture that is more, as being more powerful, more effective. And if we extend beyond a, our particular scripture, we find the name is glorified in other religious traditions. In all the religious traditions, there's some glorification of the name. It's either it said it should be uttered, or it's so holy you can't utter it. Or, so this is a, a universal principle that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is focused on chanting of the holy name and because he's focused on it and made a dharma out of the nam then it's understandable that what names he chants those must be the best of the best names there are indirect names of God and there are direct names of God indirect names of God like Paramatma Brahman direct names like Krishna Ram Rohini Nandan Yashodanandana all speaking of him in terms of his Leela and his relationship with his devotees. So we are interested in the direct names and in particular the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So when we say Krishna Nam, we're giving a Nam initiation. It means this Nam Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And again, this is our main focus. Now there are some things we can do that will help us. There are no hard and fast rules for chanting. You can chant in any condition. But there are some things that will help us. So if we really want to take advantage of it, then 
we put those things in place. This is the Kali Yuga, so there, it's mentioned in the Bhagavatam that the Dharma, the bull, religion personified, was in difficulty. He had a conversation with the earth, personified as the cow. Difficulty due to the lack of spiritual insight that Kali Yuga is characterized by. So this is the dawning of Kali Yuga. And so the Raj Maharaj Parikshit, who's out surveying his kingdom to see its condition, he came across the bull in a distressed condition, standing on one leg. And he understood that the difficulty was the result of Kali Yuga's time coming, a time when kind of a, a net of irreligious activities, reactions come to bear, get their satisfaction. So he found the Kali chastising the bull, beating the bull, and he stopped him and chastised him, but Kali became a Sharnagata. So the king had to give him shelter. Sharnagata means a surrendered soul. So even he was Kali, he surrendered to the king. Parikshit Maharaj, a great Mahabhagavata. So, therefore, Parikshit Maharaj had to give him some place. He is what he is, and he needs his place. He has his time. So, he gave him four and a half places. And he said, uh, wherever there's gambling and intoxication and meat-eating and inappropriate mixing, that Kali will have some standing there. And what did the Kali say? There is no place like that in your kingdom. You have to give me more. So he extended it. So it's four and a half, and he said, or five, you can say. What was that fifth thing? Wherever there is a hoarding of money, keeping money, keeping gold. So we should avoid the four things which have grown because Kali is insidious, so you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. So he went wherever there was hoarding of gold and everything else and took over. So we should not neglect this fifth principle, the hoarding of gold, of money. We work in this world for money, so we can do what we want. And that money is our shakti then for our life, so it's very important to us. Wherever it goes, that's where we go. We pay close attention there. How can we avoid hoarding money? We should give to the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That should be our joy. See Krishna consciousness spread in a healthy way, not in a fanatical way. If we live outside of a monastery, we have to have some livelihood. And there's a license for that. But there should be some tax on our earnings and livelihood that they have some chance to have a purifying effect. So some results should be given for Sankirtan, for the uh, service of the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They will help to protect us. So we should try to observe these principles. This is important. Otherwise, you try to fill the bucket, but you put a hole in it, and it's difficult. So that is a negatives, avoid, and positive chant Hare Krishna. The positive is more important than the negative because the positive will bring the negative into into focus, into course. So, about Sudanam, if we say Sudanam, that implies what? That there must be other types of Nam. 
So Nama Parad and Nama Bas are two other manifestations of the Nam. Nama Parad means that manifestation of the Nam that uh, is within the jurisdiction of the material world. If we chant that kind of name, then we can get great piety in our next life. We can get wealth. We can get so many material things from that. We could get properties and followers and so many things from that kind of name. In other words, we get nothing from that. Nothing. <laughs> that is nothing. Anything material that is, is nothing. From Nama Bas, then we can get, it's possible to get something. You can get Mukti. You can get liberation. It has the power. Nama Bas means a shadow of the name, like the dawning of the pure name. And from Shudhanam, pure Nam, we can get love of Krishna. So we should try to avoid Nama Parada. And in the Puranas, there's been a list has been given of ten Aparads. We shouldn't vilify the Vaishnavas. We've seen so much of this. So we should avoid that. But we should be intelligent also. We may have to avoid some Vaishnavas as well and respect them from a distance. First offense, the vilify the Vaishnava. Second offense, to consider the names of the Lord to be equal to the names of the Devatas, whose power to give anything is dependent upon the Lord's sanction. We shouldn't, thirdly, disobey the Guru, think the Guru to be an ordinary person. Guru-shu Vaishnavi Jati Buddhi is mentioned. This is a hellish mentality. may look the same, may have similar habits and expressions, but different. We have to see the Guru with a philosophical eye, just like we have to see the deity with a philosophical eye. Otherwise, it's just a statue. So, Guru Avagya, we should follow the orders of the Guru. And then, uh, fourth offense, we should not vilify the, the Vedic literatures, not blaspheme the Vedas. There are sections of the Vedas that speak about jnana and karma. And Vyas wrote those. Now he was criticized, chastised by Narada for doing so. Why? Because he did so without sufficiently stressing bhakti. Otherwise they have their place. So when a sufficient emphasis on bhakti is there, for example, with the manifestation of Srimad Bhagavatam by Vyas, then everything's complete. It doesn't give us a license to criticize jnana and karma because they're relevant for certain persons. Rupa Goswami wrote a verse in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in which it mentions jnana and karma, the witches of jnana and karma. In other words, unless the heart is free from these ghosts, from being haunted by the desires for jnana and karma, that desire for liberation, desire for knowledge, knowledge means liberation, that's real knowledge, desire for material acquisition. Unless the house of the heart is freed from these ghosts, and bhakti won't uh, fully manifest in a haunted house. So, when he heard this verse, one scholar criticized 
Rupa Goswami because he's a gyan and karma. You cannot call them witches, ghosts. They have their place. Rupa Goswami said, all right, if you like, I can change it. And then he, the scholar went to the uh, Jamuna to bathe, and Jiva Goswami, the disciple of Rupa Goswami, followed him and said, you know, about that verse, you were wrong to tell my Gurudev to change that verse. And out of his humility, he said, all right, I can alter it. The scholar said, well, what is this? Who are you, upstart? What are you talking? He said, the real meaning of that verse is, if you study it carefully, the desire for Gyan and the desire for Karma, these are ghosts. So we're not blaspheming karma and gyan. These are parts of the Vedas. And they're appropriate for people. People should take up what they're eligible for. This is so clear in Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is taking Arjuna gradually. According to his eligibility, he's instructing him and the world thereby. So we shouldn't blaspheme the Vedas mean like this. We shouldn't blaspheme these sections about karma and gyan in the name of glorifying bhakti. Then we shouldn't, uh, fifthly, we shouldn't think that the glories uh, attached to the holy name are imaginary or they're exaggerations. Scripture takes a license to exaggerate. That you should know. Scripture is its a passive agent of divinity, whereas the sadhu is an active agent of divinity, can go after us and ask us, do you understand? Scripture can't, but it's not that Scripture is not going after us at all. So it takes a license to exaggerate, to get us involved by offering, if you do this, you can get that. And maybe it's possible. It happened one time, but it doesn't happen most of the time. Just once doing this, once doing that. So many statements are there in the scripture. So scripture is actually provisional, relative, ultimately. And that comes as a shock to our ears. We hear a thousand and one times, Scripture is absolute, this is the authority, this is the Praman. But those who can read between the lines know that it's provisional. They can extract the essence of that and rise above its do's and don'ts. The do's and don'ts in all of Scripture are there to save us from going down. You have to do like this, you have to do it this time, this time. So many regulations are there to save us. But if we get some feeling for all of this, and realization, and we rise above that, and we find these sometimes great devotees doing things that are seem to be out of out of line with scripture, like Mumsi Das Babaji and others. And scripture is provisional, but we're told don't tell that to everybody. That would be a great abuse. If we're to the opposite, we tell them scripture is absolute. But then we have to ultimately come to this understanding and sort all this out to make progress, because then we find oh. Scripture is absolute, but it says this, but it really doesn't apply here, or the time or circumstance is different, and and so forth, and what was really meant. And this way we have to go deeper inside with good good guidance, and we find the essence of the Scripture, and we find it's provisional. It's actually relative. But, although the Scripture exaggerates in different places, and therefore I'm raising this point just to illustrate that everything isn't true, in the scripture. There's some exaggeration to get people involved. Although this is true, about Krishna and Krishna Leela, there's no exaggeration because Krishna is possessed of a chintishakti, inconceivable power to do anything. He plays his flute and 
water turns into land, becomes motionless, and land, like Govardhan Hill, melts like a river. Tejo Varimadamitavinimayoyatratisargomrsha is mentioned in the very opening stanza of Srimad Bhagavatam. By playing the flute, he does these wonderful things. And he has overall inconceivable shakti, inconceivable power. He can do anything. This is the idea. So, what we hear in Bhagavatam about Krishna Leela, there's no exaggeration there. And Krishna and Krishna Nam, there's no difference. So, when the glories of Krishna Nam are mentioned, we should not think there's any exaggeration there. When Haridas Thakur was asked the glories of Krishna Nam, he said, Well, I can tell you this by Nama Bas, you can get liberation. By just a shadow, of the pure name. You can get liberation. How's that? I'll tell you something about it. And the one Brahman was so shocked to hear such a thing. How can you say that? So many people are striving by such difficult means to achieve liberation and just by a reflection of the name, shadow, you can get liberation. He cursed the Haridas Thakur. Unless you take this back, you'll get leprosy. Your nose will fall off. It means leprosy. Haryasa, what can I say? This is the scripture has said these kind of things. I cannot take it back. And what happened? His nose fell off, that Brahman. He lost his position. So, there are many wonderful things said about Krishna. No exaggeration there. So we shouldn't think like that. And next, we should not interpret the holy name to mean something other than what it means. When Mahaprabhu was asked by Balabha to give some interpretation of the holy name, what did he say? He said, all I know is the, the name of, the holy name of Krishna is Sham Sundar and Jashoda Nandana. Who is this suckling the breast of Jashoda? Who is a dark, charming boy? That is my tika, my commentary on Krishna Nam. So there are many ways we can <coughs> interpret the name Krishna, derive so many meanings and so forth, but Meanings means less than the full significance of Krishna Nam. Krishna Nam and Krishna are one and the same. And seventh offense, then uh, we should not uh, we should not uh, commit sinful activities on the strength of the holy name. I think I will sin a little, chant a little, and have the best of both worlds. And eighth offense, we should not think the holy name. And the chanting of the holy name to be a yagya that's comparable to other rituals and yagyas given in the Karmakanda section of the Veda. Like Ashvameda yagya, Gomeda yagya, all these things. And it's not on the same platform. And then, what are we on? Ten now? Nine. Nine means we should not give the holy name to people who are without shraddha. So the guru should not give the name to people who don't have shraddha. It means that. Should not make a make a business out of discipleship. He doesn't really have Shraddha in Krishna Nam, in himself, as an agent. But if he gives Krishna Nam initiation then he'll get some donation and this way we make a business and a livelihood. Not like that. So we shouldn't give Krishna Nam to the faithless. Like the Bible says, you don't throw pearls before the swine. So our businesses we should be able to speak, 
teach and act in such a way as to create faith. That is siksha. When the sadhu gives siksha, then he captures the people. And then what happens? Those people capture him. And say, now we have to get diksha from you. You've captured our faith, now you have to. So he captures them, then they capture him. First, siksha is for cultivating the field of the heart. Then the diksha, giving the seed in the heart. And then further siksha is followed to water that seed, that it may grow and bear fruits of love of God. So the diksha is surrounded on both sides by siksha. So Guru shouldn't make a business of this, giving out the holy name. And this was, this goes on, it was going on at the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. People giving the name, no siksha to follow, giving Krishna mantra, Gopal mantra, Vaishnava diksha, no siksha to follow. People don't know what is Shuddha Bhakti. And then the fruit of that mantra will never be realized. So there should be so much siksha to follow up on. So don't give the holy name to the faithless people and ten. Don't maintain material attachments even after hearing so many advices as we've been discussing. In other words, when we take the name of Krishna, then we are, if we take with it, pay attention carefully, sincerely, try your utmost during that time of japa, your prescribed rounds, try your utmost to pay attention prayerfully, then we'll get some inclination, some insights. We'll come, I should go in this direction. I should move in this way. Krishnanam is taking us. We shouldn't anchor ourselves back and hold back. As I said, the Krishnanam has an agenda, so he's going to reveal his agenda. When he reveals his agenda, I'm over here. And we go over there. He reveals about now I'm over here. Then we go to that side. So to be flexible. Very flexible. At least this flexibility. Do not appease any chain of bending down. Humility before Krishna, before God, before Guru. It means sometimes we have to stand up and say, No, you are wrong. Somebody has to sit up here like I'm sitting up here, you're sitting down there. The call has come. You now you must do this. And take the position of telling, criticizing everybody. <laughs> it's not natural for the Vaishnav. But he accepts that position of instructing others by divine order. That's humility. Okay. Although it may appear externally to be otherwise, serving the orders of the Guru, but it's real humility. So, Ten offenses, and sometimes there's an eleventh offense described. Bhakti Manod has explained to chant inattentively. And he's explained that this inattentive chanting is what causes all the other offenses or shades of them to linger in our chanting. So the key to overcoming offensive chanting is to chant attentively. Then you're going to get somewhere. And you'll come to Namabas and some spiritual experience, shadow of the name. And from there, Shudhanam. So are we're interested in Shudhanam, therefore we're not interested in material acquisition, we're not interested in, in liberation. 
karma and gyan, anyabilashita shunyam, gyan karma dhyanabritam. And anukulena krishna anushilanam bhakti uttama. So we should chant not for material acquisition, or not in such a way that all we can get from the chanting is material acquisition. We should not chant for liberation, or in such a way that all we'll get from it is liberation. We should chant for what? Anukulena krishna anushilanam in a way that's pleasing to Krishna. For the pleasure of Krishna, we should chant. This should be our motive. We should try to cultivate For the pleasure of Radha Govinda, the pleasure of Krishna and Balaram, sing their names. For the pleasure of our Gurudev. I got Prabhupada's attention once in a prominent way. I used to stand next to his uh, Vyasasan in Los Angeles. When I joined, the first two years, he spent six months there each year. Three months in the spring, three months in the, in the winter time. So I had my place, like, melted in the floor. I would stand next to him during his lecture. I was always tired because I never slept much. I was very much against sleeping at that time. You know, sleep five hours, maybe at the most, and out all day selling the books. I was always retired, and if I always sit down, I would fall asleep. So I stood up, paid close attention. And uh, so after each talk that Prabhupada gave Bhagavatam talk, then he would lead, there would be some chanting. And before each talk, he would chant Jai Radha Madhava. So it was either before or after one of the talks, there had been some talk days earlier that Prabhupada was going to teach the devotees how to dance in the temple properly. So I was interested in that. And, uh, but it didn't come to pass, but I was on my mind. So uh, the chanting was going on, and um, I think it was after one of the classes. And, and so I began to dance, what Prabhupada called the Swami step. His two hands up, one leg crossing the other. And I was chanting like that, and I was thinking, I just want to dance like I just want to please Prabhupada, just, just to please Prabhupada. Actually, I'm crossing two stories together now that I think about it, but with regard to this one, Prabhupada then went away, and, and then his servant came back a few months later, and he, when the servant would come back, we'd ask, well, tell us some news, what's Prabhupada doing, what is he saying, and and so he was saying different things, and I came in, and he said, oh, and he said about uh, Tripurari Das, he said, yes, he dances very nicely. So, because I was thinking I could probably take a notice. But as I say, I'm crossing two stories with regard to the chanting. I was standing next to Prabhupada in the class and, uh, and, and chanting. I was right next to his ear where I would stand. And so I think I, I was thinking, I don't really know much about this Mahamantra, but he really likes this. He takes pleasure, great pleasure in this. Mahaprabhu Kirtan Gita. And so, let me chant just for his pleasure, just for his satisfaction, with no other thought in mind, and I'll just chant. So I chanted like that, and he looked at me with the big eyes, like this, in the middle of the kirtan. I could understand it. He was feeling me. Next morning came, and after the class, as I said, there was always a kirtan. And there were many uh, sannyasis, several sannyasis, and they kind of, the ones who liked to do kirtan would be kind of, kind of compete who would lead that kirtan after the class. And so the class ended up with the kirtan. So there was a little scuffle to the microphone, and then one started, and Prabhupada stopped him and turned to me. 
I was a brahmachari. And he said, no, he will chant, lead the chanting. So everybody looked at me, <laughs> who's this guy? <laughs> I led the chanting. Next day, next morning, same thing happened. The scuffle up to no, you let him chant. So I could understand, oh, this is the right motive, just to please Krishna, just to please Guru, Gauranga, we chant like that. So this should be our mood. And then we will quickly advance past Nama Parat, Nama Vasha, come to Shudhanam. And it means get the attention of that quarter. That is the idea. If, they, if we get their attention, then we can rise up there. We are but a jeev, and our, we are a unit of consciousness, but prone to this condition, due to our defect in size. But they will overlook that, the Surup Shakti. Krishna's associates that embody the flavors of love and they would bring us in their company and make us as if one of them. Goloka Vrindavan like, is like a welfare state. <laughs> Everything's provided by the central government. And we are not capable of providing for ourselves. And we can participate there by their grace, overlooking all our defects, even our we speak of our material defects, they purify us of that, but our, we have a spiritual defect in terms of being a unit of consciousness. We're prone to this condition. They overlook that. We can participate in some some way in Krishna Lila. All this is possible by chanting the holy name. So you please take advantage of this good opportunity. Take advantage of good company, especially the company of God brothers and God sisters and god-brothers of mine and god-sisters of mine who are helping me, that'll be very good for you. There are many uh, agents of Krishna, and they all have their particular nuance in the teaching, and people are attracted to that. So <coughs> you are attracted to this particular presentation. Influence, combined influence upon me, of Prabhupada and Sridhar Marsh and the rest of our Guru Parampara. So keeping the company of those who are similarly Captured by that, that will help your shraddha to flourish. Jai. Shri Krishna Nam ki Jai. Nam Sankirtan ki Jai. Ko Premanandi.